In this episode, I'm joined by Hans Gerding, who is a professor of philosophy at Leiden University and of parapsychology at Utrecht University. In this episode, we discuss Kant, Schopenhauer, philosophical counselling and parapsychological experiences. I'd like to thank all my paid subscribers and patrons for making all of this work possible. And if you'd like to support Omitic's podcast or become part of the community, please find links in the description below. Enjoy. So, Hans Gerding, thanks very much for joining us on Hermetics Podcast. Yeah, it's nice to be a guest. Thank you. So, before we before we jump in, I mean, we're we're going to be talking about in part philosophical counselling, philosophy in terms of paranormal and exceptional experiences, which are often ignored. Um, but before we jump in on these sort of wide array of topics that we're going to be discussing, just tell us a little bit about you and and what it is you do. Well, um, to put it short. I, when I was a philosophy student, I started my study. I, I didn't know anything about philosophy. And it was uh, in the 60s, 70s in Amsterdam. I uh, took LSD. I had a mystical experience. And then uh, as a beginning philosopher student, I thought, uh, well, this is philosophy. And I'm, this will be my way through philosophy. So... Uh, then I uh, I studied as much as I can philosophers that I liked, and I also, uh, after a few years, came in contact with uh, the field of parapsychology. It I found it uh, very surprising that there was a professor doing experiments with exceptional experiences. Uh, so I uh, studied parapsychology as well, and. Uh, after my studies, I wrote a PhD on Kant uh, and the paranormal, and uh, I started working in the, um, the Institute for Parapsychology in Utrecht. And uh, later on in my life, I got an appointment in uh, Leiden University uh, uh, in the philosophy department. So my work uh, is my fascination is exceptional experiences, and I approach them. Uh, from the field of philosophy, from uh, science, the science of parapsychology, and also, uh, uh, yeah, I try as much as I can to experience these uh, uh, these uh, the, myself by, well, by um, also medi- meditation and studying my dreams and so on. Do you mind if I ask what the um, the LSD experience was of? What was the mystical experience you had? Well, it was, there were uh, some um, uh, moments in which uh, flashes of light told me that they are the uh, true reality, that everything is made of living light, and that I myself also was uh, living light. And I was so taken by this experience because... I was uh, 22, and nobody ever told me things like this. While uh, experiencing this, um, it was also a bit of uh, uh, coming home, a, a, a sort of recognition, uh, which I later on I learned from uh, near-death experiences. They ha- have the same e- experience, and they also say, uh, finally, I'm at home. And uh, I uh, contact with with uh, with something which is an ultimate reality of everything. So did you straight away make a connection between the the flashes of light and some philosophy you read about, or was 
was that the the sort of the real starting point for you in terms of exploring philosophy? Yeah, it was a starting point. It was a kind of uh, magnetic needle. Mm-hmm. I I I I had I thought uh, I have to follow this magnetic needle pointing at uh, these philosophers and ideas that uh, have something to do with this uh, experience. Okay. So I came for for instance uh, Schopenhauer and also Carl Jung mm-hmm. uh, became very uh, important uh, man for me. Okay. Um, that leads me to the Hermetics question then. Uh, if you could place three thinkers, living or dead, into a room and listen in on the the conversation, uh, who would you who would you pick? Well, I would pick uh, 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 Schopenhauer, uh, Carl Jung, and an imaginary figure, if that is allowed, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. representing uh, what you can can call uh, transpersonal psychology. Because it includes uh, spirituality and also uh, parapsychological research. Mm-hmm. So the imaginary figure is just something that represents transpersonal psychology. Yeah. So yeah. it isn't. It isn't. In what sense is it an imaginary figure? Then it doesn't have a, a body or a personality. No, but they 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 they, they can. T- uh, this figure can take the shape of uh, well, uh, some of my heroes, uh, men like. Uh, <laughs> Charlie Tart or uh, uh, Stanley Krippner or Stanislav Grof or uh, also some older uh, the, the, the anti-psychiatry men like Ronald Ling and so on. So what's the what's the conversation that you'd like to have with these people? With, uh, you know, Schopenhauer um, and these transpersonal psychologists? Well, I, what I... Uh, um, what I like about them is, uh, I like to talk about them, is what what they can teach me. Uh, so a conversation should uh, have in its center things like um, uh, mysticism, uh, spirituality, um, also the whole variety of uh, um, exceptional experiences uh, and the context in which they should be uh, interpreted. Things like that. And so why do, you, why do you think it is then that these, these experiences, which it seems to have been the focus of your work, these external experiences, paranormal experiences, why do you think these are um, sort of ignored or seen as, uh, seen as sort of a wrong way to do things in philosophy? Uh, that asks for a, 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 an, an answer in, uh, in, in more uh, stages. Um, uh, first... The historical point is interesting. Historical point is that um, in the Middle Ages, um, mysticism is dangerous for many people. Hey, you get burned or something, and things like that. Um, but when about 400 years ago, um, the uh, uh, well, uh, science took over from religion, the, Reli- the institute of religion. Um, they nevertheless they had the same attitude towards these experiences that that didn't change and um and uh, um, i would say that what is what what makes people a bit afraid of these these uh, phenomena is that they for for modern people um um is that they are too revealing uh, so to say 
there are two revealing. If you take them serious, um, you have to accept, for instance, that the human psyche is not a fenced off domain. And when you come to things like that, you immediately uh, are driven to very uh, intriguing, to, to my idea, very intriguing and fascinating philosophical questions. For instance, when I uh, was reading Jung um, talking about uh, the unconscious, he just, that is typical Jung, he can just in a few lines uh, write something very intriguing and then leave it and go to another subject. But uh, the, uh, 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 some of these lines were this. Uh, Jung said that um, if you take the hypothesis of the unconscious seriously, that has enormous epistemological implications because we are not conscious of everything. There is unconscious. And the, uh, uh, we, uh, we even do not know where the, the borders of our unconscious lie. So the, um, uh, the, 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 the epistemological, epistemological implications of uh, the unconscious are that our, all our knowledge, that is the implication, all our knowledge is incomplete and incomplete to a degree we cannot even grasp. So, uh, and he left it there, but it was, uh, uh, well, I, I was very excited <laughs> about that. And nobody, I did, I had, uh, 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 lectures, heard lectures and read books about uh, philosophy of science. N nobody t talks like this, but it is uh, it is real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, um, the, these uh, 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 questions of these uh, 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 phenomena uh, are not taken seriously. Um, they, uh, the, 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 yeah, people are hesitant to. Uh, to accept them, um, because that's a, that's an also another point. Because um, uh, they are afraid uh, in the field. Well, in the field of uh, science, we have the the, uh, the science that make the difference. The the, the very bright uh, men and women, but there is below there is uh, well science. Uh, seen as sociologically as a group you can maybe call, call uh, the, the knowledge elite and this knowledge elite uh, for this knowledge elite writing series and taking these uh, phenomena and the research at this phenomena seriously um, is the same as uh, 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 career suicide if you are a psychologist and you um, uh, you, you write a textbook, a psychology textbook, and you take a well-balanced uh, chapter on parapsychology in your book, you are sure that uh, it will not be chosen as a textbook for the students. Because, and that's because uh, uh, one of the main reasons is that these, these uh, phenomena are too revealing and they reveal some th things about human psyche that 
people are afraid of they uh, they 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 are afraid of being thrown back in the Middle Ages in the in the in, uh, in irrationality. While uh, well, it, to, to my idea, it is very very uh, well possible to uh, to do very sound and uh, clean research in this field that has been done by many people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting there that you use the word phenomena. Do you think that there is, um, with these experiences, there is a, they are simply phenomena in the Kantian sense for the subject? Or do you think there is a potential connection to the, uh, to the thing in itself there, to something completely outside of our perception? Yes. There are... Uh, uh, more approaches to this. The the first, more most basic approach is the approach uh, that is uh, can can be found in parapsychology. Mm-hmm. There you uh, see that um, in sound exper- sound experiences, scientifically good designed experiences uh, in controlled uh, circumstances in laboratories, people conduct paranormal. Uh, uh, experiments and uh, they have results. You, you, yeah, I find it very astonishing that uh, unless all these uh, circumstances, uh, scientific circumstances, nonetheless, these uh, uh, phenomena uh, expose themselves in uh, in a way that can be uh, uh, that you can read about in uh, a meta-analysis. Eh? The, uh, it is and today uh, it's good to say this. I, I think uh, today. This is mainstream science. Eh? The, the, uh, the, in the last 10 years, there is a lot of uh, movement in this field. And uh, two years ago, in uh, a peer-reviewed uh, journal, uh, psychology journal in the United States, there was uh, a publication of all meta-analysis in parapsychology uh, that were all uh, statistically significant. And so this is today, it is just mainstream knowledge only nobody not many people know this but um so this is the first step these phenomena are uh well to so to say scientifically uh, real phenomena but now comes a very uh, a, a difficult point um i like uh, uh you mentioned uh kant and the ding an sich um and I like to add also uh, Schopenhauer, who was in many parts also a Kantian thinker. And to uh, Schopenhauer, these phenomena are only possible if you take his philosophy serious. And the, the title of his uh, book, eh, the, the World as Will and Representation, there we see that the, uh, uh, the world fo- falls into, let's say, two uh, Sides, it's uh, the uh, world as will and the world as representation. The world as representation, that is the phenomenological world in in which we live, in which we share our experiences. Um, This world is, well, it unfolds in a Kantian way. There he takes Kant uh, uh, serious and uh, he said Kant did his work very, very good. He was, uh, he might count very much. But there's only one thing, Schopenhauer said, uh, to count the ding an sich, uh, the, 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 the thing in itself that touches our a priori, uh, a priori 
framework which together with the ding an sich that touches our senses lets the experiential world unfold itself and we all have do this in the same way so we all live in the same world but to count this means that the uh, the ding an sich yeah, the thing in itself outside us perceiving people the thing in itself cannot be known at all but Schopenhauer said uh, Kant was right in many things but not that the thing in itself cannot be known the thing in itself is what I call uh, Schopenhauer says what I call will and that can be known so apart from being a subject living in a world of phenomena which is structured in a Kantian way, so time, uh, space and causality reign this world totally, deterministically, at the same time in the Schopenhauer way of thinking, a subject can turn, as it were, as, as so to say, it, uh, he or she can turn and turn his or her back to the world of phenomena and, well, see the world of the will. And did, here Schopenhauer makes a distinction between looking at something, which we do in the world of representations, the world of phenomena, but being turned to the world of the will, we do not look at it, but we see. So the, the, uh, what unfolds then is something which can be divided in many stages also, but first of all, uh, uh, what unfolds is that it, the process of seeing Turn your back to the world of representations. The world of seeing unfolds a, a, a dimension of platonic ideas. So the basic idea of Schopenhauer is, there is a will, an omnipresent will, which pours out in matter in the world of representations. And everything that exists is objectified will. And well, to, so to say, uh, in, in, in uh, using a metaphor, uh, on its way to manifestation in the world of representations, the will passes platonic ideas. And there is determined uh, what, uh, what kind of aspect of, the cre of creation this uh, will, will be. So everything we see, birds, uh, trees, other planets, everything, everything, human beings, of course, um, is objectified will, but turned to the, uh, back to the uh, representations, we see a world of platonic ideas, and that is a process of seeing, and here art comes in, aesthetics. The aesthetic experience is, in the eyes of Schopenhauer, an experience uh, that is cognitive. It is not just being pleased by something beautiful, no, it is cognitive of and cognitive of a higher order than the, the, uh, the, the world of science. Eh? Physics, science, just uh, 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 well, uh, describes the, the physical phenomena, but uh, a turned mind seeing Platonic ideas experience 
aesthetic is an aesthetic experience aesthetic experience and um, that experience is cognitive and also uh, an, uh, I like that this word that Schopenhauer use uh, the position of consciousness from which this is experienced he calls this the better consciousness it's better consciousness so uh, that makes Schopenhauer of course very popular uh, among uh, in the world of art art um, but um, also here uh, uh, lies the, the 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 world of the paranormal because it is possible to go as it were uh, in the world of the will and go back in the world of the uh, phenomena at another place at another time and when this happened when this happened uh, people for instance report uh, precognitive dreams so uh, to come back to your to your question uh, we can elaborate more on the, on this but uh, first go back to your question the answer is yes these uh, paranormal phenomena need in the schopenhauer philosophy um, need the world of the will and so the world of what Kant calls the thing in itself but uh, Schopenhauer calls it uh, uh, will. So, and uh, these phenomena need this dimension of the will, and therefore, uh, Schopenhauer, uh, uh, well, he is very uh, pleased when he uh, when he comes to uh, to this point because he at first he didn't know about it, but later on in his life he sees that these paranormal phenomena can only be explained if you take his philosophy seriously. So he says there are three things. We have the world of physics describing the world of representations. We have the world of the paranormal, which um, I like this word. Huh? This, he calls it uh, practical philosophy, uh, huh? or you can call it empirical philosophy. So uh, these two, physics and empirical philosophy, uh, uh, both are needed to know the world and, he and then he says uh, and my philosophy is theoretical metaphysics not practical uh, metaphysics but theoretical uh, metaphysics describing the uh, uh, this whole uh, uh, this whole uh, world yeah. so what did um, Schopenhauer make of these things then because obviously Schopenhauer is quite famous for being um, one of the sort of the early popular atheists, and uh, this is sort of apparent in his biography and in his work. But how does he how does he fit the paranormal worldview in with an atheist worldview? What does he think these things actually are that we're experiencing? Well, to start with the end, uh, the, the the ultimate cannot be said. But Schopenhauer is one of the first Western thinkers who took Hinduism and Buddhism uh, seriously. And he may be called an atheist, um, but, a very big uh, but comes <laughs> here, because um, he, nonetheless, he teaches uh, a philosophy of freedom. And this freedom is not to be found in the world of phenomena, but while being alive in a world of phenomena, 
representations. Um, uh, again, we can turn our back to this world and as I said before, we first experience platonic ideas. Um, the aesthetic experience makes people free um, because the subject of experiences also unfolds. Also, the boundaries of the experiencing ego are, are more loose. And this looseness can expand and expand and expand as uh, while we go further uh, away from this world of representations. So uh, uh, it also expresses, uh, this process of expanding also expresses itself in the world of ethics. Uh, uh, empathy is possible in this way uh, because uh, 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 floating in the world of the will um, knowing that everything else also is will uh, uh, so you, uh, you, you are identified with everything else and that makes uh, um, uh, empathy uh, and uh, uh, possible and not um, empathy as an idea or as something you learn from your parents or from a book but it's, it is experiential it is a, a kind of sense, uh, sensitiveness uh, sensitivity that um, um, expresses itself again also in the paranormal because in the paranormal, we, um, we come to this too. Yeah, there is uh, a footnote here by, by this. Um, an old German concept of telepathy is um, from a, a German psychiatrist, Markinowski, who lived in the 20s, in the uh, 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 20th century. And um, he spoke about... Uh, Persönlichkeitserweiterung um das Du, which means the widening of your personality because of the Tao, because of the other. So, uh, and for instance, in uh, in crisis telepathy, um, when you are asleep, um, you can have a dream. Uh, in which you uh, see, uh, for instance, a loved one uh, die, dying in an accident. And um, I'll come back to this later, uh, maybe. Uh, but um, uh, this is an act of empathy. And so when it turns out that this accident really happened and so on and so on, it is an act of empathy. So um, here... Uh, uh, Demonstrates again, the paranormal demonstrates uh, Schopenhauer's philosophy. And just moving into something that I'm, I'm really interested in, sort of, this is something I wasn't actually fully aware of, quite strangely considering my, uh, my education, but philosophical counselling is one of the other things that we were going to talk about. And, and I, as my understanding is, you are a, a philosophical counsellor. And this isn't something I was, yeah, as I say, too aware of and in this in philosophical counseling you deal with these kinds of experiences and talk about them philosophically so it's like an alternative form of 
could we say therapy, which isn't targeted towards health, but is targeted towards um, exploration of one's life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, do, do these experiences, is this sort of the primary reason people would come to philosophical counselling is to have these experiences perhaps explained or find a way to understand what they are? Well, um, yes, but I've, I uh, I come to this uh, uh, in a second phase. Uh, first, I want to say something else. That mm-hmm. uh, uh, philosophical counselling um, um, is not uh, new. Yeah, it, uh, everybody knows Socrates was talking about philosophy on the marketplace of Athens and Aristotle was the the, the 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 mentor of Alexander the Great and so on. Philosophers play a, a, an important role uh, in uh, higher and lower circles, um, but and it was reinvented by a, a German in the in the eighties of the last century. Um, but this new movement in the eighties of philosophical counseling it spread it very quickly. Uh, because there were many philosophers without a job and many philosophers, they thought, hey, maybe this is a good uh, and a very nice and uh, uh, way to uh, to make a living and to explore uh, philosophy from an, in an interesting uh, way. Um, but the, the, the normal way of uh, philosophical counseling is n- has n- not much to do with exceptional experiences. Um, it can be uh, everything can be put on the table, of course, uh, but there are uh, uh, many uh, questions, uh, existential questions, meaning questions, questions of meaning, questions of, uh, but also other questions, uh, relations, also business people who want to want uh, to have a, a sparing partner in a th- their thinking process, whether they should buy the the the, the company of their competitor and so on. Um, but for me, um, I was already uh, doing this kind of philosophical, uh, uh, practical philosophy because uh, uh, many people came to me uh, when they heard I, that I'm a philosopher with uh, uh, also uh, doing parapsychological research. Uh, um, many people uh, came to me and uh, wanted to talk about their experiences. So when this Achenbach uh, uh, came through and uh, uh, philosophical praxis, uh, practical philosophy was uh, spread around Europe uh, very quickly, I jumped in and I thought, well, I am also doing uh, philosophical praxis, uh, but I'm only concentrating on the subject of exceptional experiences. So that is where... where, uh, uh, where I work, and this this way of counselling uh, bridges bridges a giant gap in society. Because on the one hand, fifty percent of the people in Western countries report to have had exceptional experience themselves, one or, so, or, or, or kind of the other. Uh, the, on the one hand, and on the other hand. Uh, psychologists um, they are not educated in a way that they learn something about these experiences so there's a a, a big gap and 
so that's one and 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 two is uh, the the position of consciousness from from which you from which I uh, uh, work is what I call myself a spiritual philosopher. So um, for me, these experiences and that that is how they present themselves. I would say. Um, is that these experiences point, in many cases, at uh, a process of unfolding spirituality. So, uh, it um, people in uh, in my uh, counseling practice, when they come, uh, they often uh, report is the first thing I do. I make, uh, 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 we, we go uh, through all the different kinds of experiences they have. So um, there are the process in which people uh, are, uh, they have all kinds of different exceptional experiences. For instance, they... Um, they feel they are uh, have out of the body experiences. They have um, uh, uh, precognitive dreams. They have telepathic in- impressions, um, and they don't understand it. They have lucid dreams also, and they have, they they uh, they don't do not understand it. And then when you ask and you know, ask um, about their physical condition, for instance, um, then it turns out that they also report um, very subtle uh, flee- fleeing of energy through their body, which they did not have before. And um, then I can say, uh, well, all these experiences they they belong together they uh, they are described very well described in for instance eastern uh, philosophy but also in western uh, 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 books uh, about uh, transpersonal psychology and they point at uh, well I tell it in other words but this is the, the, the core of course what I say now they point at the at um, an unfolding process which aims at something, which is aiming at widening uh, the uh, your uh, mental horizon in uh, in many ways. Uh, one of the most important ways is making you more sensitive. And uh, well, of, and then they they, they uh, well they agree and they they uh, they recognize all kinds of these these kinds of things, and then is it fair? It is very uh, comforting, of of course, to say um, um, that they are not getting crazy, that they have to trust the process, that they uh, that there are many many people who are in the same process, and. That it is good to um, uh, uh, next to the uh, uh, in front. Uh, the primary is of course the the the, the experiences and the process. But uh, 
And in a second stage, it's also interesting and important to to read about it in the traditions of wisdom or certain philosophers or certain uh, books uh, from uh, from authors or uh, uh, non-fiction uh, books. And that is more or less the the core of what what my practice is about. And I can uh, maybe I can give an example. There was a uh, a woman who uh, had been through such a process and had become uh, very, very sensitive. And one day she had a, uh, an experience of, uh, what I said earlier, uh, of a crisis telepathy in which she saw a very dear friend dying. And a few days later she found out that he was that he died exactly in the way she had dreamed. And then she felt guilty. And so being such a sensitive person and then feeling feeling guilty is a terrible process to go through. And for years, she was uh, in a severe depression. And we were talking about this and uh, she had the idea that she was guilty of this death because she, she knew, she had seen what, what afterwards happened. So she had to prevent this accident. That's what she's telling herself. Uh, and that, that uh, made her, de- uh, her depression. So um, I told her, um, well, you, you can also look at it from another side. You can also uh, look at it from the point that maybe uh, his time had come. Maybe it was his time to die. And then we talked about dying and how difficult this eh, for us to imagine. We only can imagine, of course, but how difficult this uh, process uh, must be. Uh, Leaving behind uh, your loved ones, the the earth, everything beautiful you have met in this life. Leaving all this behind and facing death and facing what will happen to you. It's very lonely and frightful and 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 uh, uh, frightening and uh, difficult moment. And then I, I said to her, I think I, I really think this. Um, I think that by participating in his life eh, in a Schopenhauerian way, so to say, uh, being uh, uh, part. Uh, of his experiential life and standing next to him in this accident that is an act of empathy and that is uh, uh, I said I, uh, I, I think that your friend conscious or unconscious noticed your presence in his moment of dying And so you supported him, you helped him in this difficult moment. And well, then it was just one uh, one counseling. uh, 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 This was what just one talk we had. But she, uh, her face, uh, her face was uh, bright, and uh, she, uh, uh, her depression was gone. After a few weeks, I met her, and after two years, I met her again, and uh, it was gone. And she could live very well with this uh, uh, interpretation of her experience. So 
is that sort of the um, the goal of philosophical counselling is to to understand these ongoings in a way which is sort of potentially in concordance with what's going on in one's life or can they be something completely completely other you mean uh, um, so this this telepathic experience was very personal to her you found but it you know is there other 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 cases or experiences where they are they're not really related to the personal life and they are just something completely um, alien you know completely strange do you mean for instance Abduction experiences. It could it could be those. I mean, um, something which isn't an, an, a paranormal experience which doesn't have a connection to their personal life. So it's just completely disconnected, but is a strange experience. So it can't be um, counselled in the same way. Um, it, it has to be understood in a different way. So it's, so with the um, telepathic experience, that still seems quite um, human in that it's connected to her personal life and her personal relationships. Are there, you know, other experiences, other um, ongoings, which can happen to someone, which don't have these relations, which are just completely disconnected from, um, you know, they can't be understood in a, in the usual way. Yeah, then, but then you, 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 uh, you come, you come more in the, in, in the field of uh, mysticism, for instance. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And there, the first thing we have to say, uh, which, which you can read in, in many books, people who know about it don't talk about it, and people who talk about it so obviously don't know about it. So, but, so the, the, the ultimate cannot be said here, but mm-hmm. people, nonetheless, it is possible to talk a bit about this. First, you can, you, you, the first thing to do is uh, start talking about spirituality in general. I find it very useful to use Jung's uh, concept of individuation. And individuation uh, is a process uh, which unfolds in the life of the individual by which he is freeing him him or herself from uh, uh, unconscious traumas and then, well, then taking the open sea, as it's so, so to say. And where, where this leads... Uh, that is that unfolds in a different way for uh, different people, but no. As I said, nonetheless, it is possible talking about this. I I like I like this metaphor um, when you compare it to something else. Eh? When you compare it to the mixing of colors, and when you mix colors, uh, the, the 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 primary colors, um, then you get white. And so in the same way as you can mix colors, if you do it in the right way, with light, it can then uh, in the right way, then you get white light. Um, in the same way, your system um, is not mixing colors, but is mixing uh, faculties. It is, it is mixing thinking, intuition, feeling, perception and if you mix this in the right way you get white living white light and uh, 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 which goes along with the experience that you that 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 is the ultimate what you are and that is what is 
what is unfolding and what is um, also uh, the, uh, has m many sides because it is it is uh, uh, an overwhelming ex experience, um, but it is also uh, directing your life. It it uh, it points at. Well, yeah, to say it a bit uh, strong, it points at real, real freedom. Um, and this, this subject of freedom is important in philosophy, of course. And uh, uh, freedom is not meant here as uh, having the possibility to choose between many things. But uh, uh, from this perspective, there are not many things. There is only one thing. Just go for this process with, with all what you have. And freedom uh, means that uh, you con consciously make this decision to go for this process. And that is, well, let's say it's a bit paradoxically formulated, but you can say it is a binding freedom. It binds you at this experience And uh, you uh, uh, do not want get, want get uh, 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 do not want to walk on another way or other road. So the, the, here, uh, 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 philosophical counseling uh, uh, is in 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 uh, as I experienced in my practice uh, is uh, uh, supporting. The, 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 yeah, well, what I think is the, the, the ultimate, uh, goal in, uh, in, in, in people's lives. It is, it is in the, uh, in the end, uh, in near death experiences, uh, people literally experience this also. And they, uh, in many cases, they have not, no, not so, so much problems that they uh, need assistance of a philosopher or a psychiatrist, but uh, they can do it themselves. But, uh, well, some people, they, they, uh, they get insecure or they, they don't have uh, in their neighborhood or their partner people who uh, understand a bit of this, these things. And then, you, then in a philosophical counseling practice, you can, you can learn about a, a bit of these experiences. It's interesting that you mentioned um, near-death experiences. Do you think that our modern relationship with uh, with death and suffering is is sort of fairly damaging to our understanding of the world? Yeah, I think. Well, today uh, it is popular huh? again in the in the in the within circles of the knowledge elite. It is popular to be atheist and to say, to think there is no survival. Um, Um, at best, people are say I'm agnostic. Um, well, it is interesting that Kant says in his book about Swedenborg, he says it very in a nice, very nice way. I think he said uh, this survival and being uh, living uh, after your death as a ghost. Uh, that is, he said, that is not a known. Impossibility. It is not a known impossibility. Um, so, uh, but, but today, um, 
again, it's this gap. So many, many people believe in an afterlife. Uh, the knowledge elite does not, and at best says it is they are that they are agnostic. But now it comes. Um, to me, I would say this form of agnosticism is uh, pseudo-agnosticism. Because they did not seriously uh, do their work. If you are an, take an agnostic uh, uh, standpoint, then you uh, you should study the what uh, what are call, what you can call the the, the important uh, fields for uh, for uh, for this. And that is you should know about uh, the, the phenomenology uh, uh, of the, uh, the the dying experience. You should uh, uh, read about near death experiences. You uh, you should study the f- the phenomenon of uh, dissociation and trance, um, and you uh, of course you should study the uh, the, the field of uh, parapsychology. So um, there are um, to the survival question. Um, there are. Uh, uh, you you have to know about these fields and then you then you make your decision and then after you did this all this study you can say from well uh, nonetheless I stay in an agnostic uh, standpoint or some other people say uh, I'm convinced the the whole point of survival you can I think you can say two uh, important points that is one point is uh, very clear formulated by Carl Jung uh, when he was interviewed uh, two years before he died uh, he was asked, uh, um, um, uh, Mr. Jung, uh, you uh, say that uh, death is such Im- so important in life, but why? Because death is an end. We all know death is an end. And then say, Jung says, well, if death is an end, you are right. But we are not completely sure about that. Uh, and then he continues, and then he uh, takes uh, parapsychology. He said, we know, and only, uh, well, ignorant people uh, uh, deny this, but we know that the human psyche is able to look around corners and to, uh, in a paranormal way and to foresee the future in a paranormal way. So, obviously, uh, there is something with the human psyche which um, is uh, not within the framework of time and space. And our body is uh, is dying in time and space. There's something uh, is left. And that uh, goes on. So that is, a, that is, a, that is the uh, point of view from, uh, fr- from the science of parapsychology. Uh, and then I think that the, 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 what uh, people with near-death experiences uh, report uh, and uh, that uh, well under, underlined with other kinds of experience like uh, out of body experiences that I, I would say that points at uh, the idea of what can be called an embodied form of uh, survival so uh, an, an astral embodied form of survival that is what the, the, the phenomenology points at in a very convincing way, I would say. And so this, these ideas 
should be more, more uh, central in the in the education of therapists and uh, 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 people working in uh, medicine and uh, uh, because it 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 obviously it changes our view about death death being an uh, well an uh, a door huh? a transformation process so which which phenomenology do you think specifically Kant and Schopenhauer or is there other phenomenology that points to this um continuation of an of a an astral body after death well i would say that the what's pointed at an an, 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 an astral uh, form of uh, survival of pre, uh, post-mortal uh, existence is uh, uh, the many many uh, uh, reports of people the experienced people report they are very, very convincing, and you cannot, of course, do experiments uh, with this. But uh, people uh, uh, report um, astral traveling, and they uh, appear uh, at other places. Um, they uh, use, obviously, then uh, latent functions. And here, I, I like. Uh, I, I like to make a, uh, to refer to uh, to Carlos Castaneda. I don't. Uh, the, uh, he uh, he is an uh, an American anthropology student who uh, get teachings from uh, an Indian, an a Mexican uh, sorcerer. And one thing about these books of Castaneda, I, I find them very interesting, also for philosophers. What can be done? In this, uh, uh, in this uh, uh, can be done, but the the, the teacher, the, the source teaches Castaneda, is that you can move your assembly point. You can move your assembly point. It lies on your back, physiologically, in a subtle energetic field, and this assembly point, and uh, that is. The position of consciousness from which the world is assembled in a Kantian way, uh, the normal world, and so did, uh, here Kant Kant uh, uh, comes in, but it Kant has only one assembly point, but in shamanism, and this sorcerer is able to replace uh, to to uh, to shift. Castaneda's assembly point from which he has a totally different perception of the world. He sees the world, for instance, in beams of light. And it, this beam, these beams of light, they can uh, conduct his astral body uh, to different places. And here it seems to be a bit of uh, a known way of manipulating these pa paranormal latent uh, forces. And here we come, I like to add uh, something else that I find very interesting. There is a, uh, a, a, a psychiatry professor, Harvard psychiatry professor, um, John Mack, and he is just, uh, just a, let's say, he is just a normal worldview, a normal psychiatrist. But he then he, he, he came across 
all those kinds of, of experiences of uh, abduction. And he had he said, well, I don't believe this, but so many people report these experiences. So then he went to his friend, his friend uh, Thomas Kuhn, the famous uh, philosopher of science. They were mates from the same school and so on. He knew, he knew him very well. And he asked Kuhn, what should I do with these reported experiences? And then Kuhn said something very, very interesting, which, I, which helped me a lot. Um, he said, well, John, when it comes to uh, uh, things like uh, uh, religion and spirituality, you must take a totally different position of consciousness. You must not go, not use the normal dual concepts of exists, exists not, is subjective or objective. It is internal or external, or it happened of, or happened not. It is something between. And the interesting point is that this something between which uh, is more associated with a Schopenhauerian uh, uh, will, uh, this uh, position in between, and we come now we, uh, the circle is closed, but we, co we come back to the, the, the things we talked about in the beginning. It is this, this something in between is not a fancy, fancy, uh, a fancy uh, uh, a fantastic world. It is not fantasy, but it has a, a real underlining in real paranormal phenomena, which can be uh, demonstrated. So it is a part of a not pure subjective world, and that well, then we can uh, yeah, then it seems to, to be uh, another dimension. So this this uh, uh, I think that uh, a man like uh, Car uh, Carstaneda uh, makes this very interesting by. Uh, having the possibility of the assembly point being uh, uh, shift to to another place on his back, it is light lies on his back. Yeah. Okay. Um. Is there anything you would like to add, or something that we've that we've uh, missed that you'd like to add in? Well, in in maybe as a uh, 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 an end is um, what my uh, philosopher professor, where I did my PhD. Uh, wrote about um, and that is the uh, it is a, uh, that's this point um, he says that uh, 400 years ago we the, our whole society landed in what he called a rational empirical position of consciousness and this position of consciousness became dominant in our society mm -hmm. And this position of consciousness also is endlessly tolerant because it can be directed at everything. You can formulate any question and always you can approach this question from a rational, empirical position of consciousness. Nonetheless, there is an intolerance. And this intolerance does not lie at the object side because you can approach everything from this position of consciousness. It lies 
within, in the subject side. It is in the subject side where we identified ourselves with this position of consciousness and making it impossible to take an assembly point, so to say, uh, on a, at another place, making another position of consciousness possible and also uh, have an, an, an other way of interacting with the world and which has in many cases to do with spirituality and meaning uh, impossible. So I find this a nice way, nice way of uh, putting the things. Things. I completely agree. That uh, that seems to be the big problem with uh, contemporary directions of mysticism and para parapsychologies. If yeah. it is is this intolerance and the uh, scien scientism as the default position yeah. of all yeah. investigation. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Thanks. That was great. Thanks very much for coming on. Okay, it was very nice to be your guest, and I I wish you have um, much and much more uh, interviews. <laughs>